Wardcast episode 187. Go! I'm Dylan Alvento, and I'm joined by Marlo Doby, video game artist, as she prefers to be known as. How you doing, Marlo? <laughs> Hello. Hello. It's a beautiful uh, Saturday morning where you're calling in from in Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. It's really nice. It's actually very warm in this room that I'm recording in right now. <laughs> yeah. You're like in a basement. There's a pool table behind you. Oh, so yeah. I didn't know. It's the pool room. So, Ooh. yeah. I don't actually play pool, but it's here. <laughs> no billiards? No billiards for you? No, I'm not like a billiards grifter. <laughs> Is that what they're called? You can't steal people's money? No. Have no. you seen like trick shot videos I of people doing pool? I was going to say, I, I could maybe steal someone's money, but billiards wouldn't be like my method. <laughs> you just crack a uh, pool cue over their back and then take the money. Oh, no, there you go. I like that. <laughs> uh, so how's it going? It's great staying very busy as i'm sure you are and <laughs> there's never a never a tired moment in games so you're working on working on dicey dungeons mm-hmm. with uh one terry cavanaugh you also helped uh with some uh i believe will said some animation stuff with world next door yeah yeah it's interesting uh with the world next door, uh, because I've just been like around the project so much, I've ended up wearing like various different hats at different parts of the game. Cause it's like an indie game. And so everyone like fills in a bunch of different roles and stuff, but primarily what I contributed to that game was doing some like VFX animations and stuff. That's the flashiest thing I did. Um, when we, have been showing off the game at conventions and stuff. People be like, oh, what did you do? And I'm kind of just like, I was more like a friend of the game. Like, I didn't really do anything that you'd be that excited about. Or like VFX and stuff like that kind of outside your normal wheelhouse? Uh, not really. Uh, I do a decent amount of animation. I try really hard not to think of myself as like a fake animator because I'm not necessarily formally trained i took like one animation class at college and i animate a lot like i really do and i've gotten jobs for animating but i'm still like oh i'm an illustrator and i'm like kind of an animator but not really but i am so yeah i do i do do a lot of animation but in terms of school training you'd say illustration was where you're taught on oh yeah for sure it's just that imposter syndrome you know where it's like something you know how to do but you're just like but i'm not really that person (laughs) Yeah. No, I feel you. I was um, an art student temporarily for a little while yep. in community college. And whenever I have to like do some art, um, did some art for like our key art for Lumdari this weekend oh, for nice. my local community. And you sit down, you start drawing, you're like, man, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> like, this is all made up. This is all fake. That's what game jams are for. You fake it till you make it. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. So speaking of, you also help out with like Pig Squad and all them. How's all that going? It's great. Yeah. Uh, the Portland Indie Game Squad uh, here in Portland, obviously, is a community platform. We're a nonprofit and we host like a bunch of events and workshops and game jams. Uh, we actually have some game jams coming up. We do every year the summer slow jams. Um, I'm sure if you talk to Will later, he'll also <laughs> chat with you a lot about this. But uh, it's really fun. I was just thinking, oh, man, like Ludum Dari is here but I need to keep my stamina up for when we do the summer slow jams 
this summer because we do one every month and they're like a week long instead of a weekend. Um, but it sure, I almost think it's like harder to find time to do one over a week than a weekend. Um, cause you're just like, Oh, I'll do it later. And you're not like really as against the clock as you normally are, but yeah, it's great. Uh, we have a lot of people that come out. We have like really, really good stuff that comes out of our game jam. Like it's kind of fun to see the whole community is getting better at like making games and doing game jams together. Um, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Uh, so where where did you kind of like come in during like pig squad's existence because were you there like kind of at the founding or did you come in like as a as a member first no uh i can't remember will always refers to the people in pig squad in like generation so there's like first generation pig squad i think i'm like somewhere in like fourth or like fifth honestly yeah like i started going uh about three years ago and we just had our eight-year anniversary in may um no it's not may yet (laughs) last month almost may (laughs) oh boy it's been a long year already um but yeah so i'm i'm like fifth generation or something like that like i'm not that early on but i feel like i've i've been there long enough that i like know everybody that's there and you know people come and go out of portland and stuff so it's always a different mix I feel like uh, I need to talk to Will Lewis about how much he's stratifying these generations because I feel like five <laughs> generations within eight years of something existing seems a bit much. I might be exaggerating. I actually don't remember which one I, I technically fall into, but um, yeah, it's actually how I got into like doing indie games was going to Pig Squad events. I went uh, when I was in art school my senior year. I had uh, done a whole thesis project about how I wanted to make like a game concept. And I was, uh, it's actually like this whole journey into making games was my college experience. Cause I had always wanted to make games when I was a kid. And then I kind of like fell into art and I was like, Oh, you know, artists don't make games like programmers make games. So I thought it wasn't something that I could really do. And then when I was in college, like somehow I was like, no way I could totally do this like I don't know why I thought that the my whole life and it opened up this whole like I want to do this and I want to make this like my focus of my career and stuff and people at my uh, school and my thesis panel advisors and everything were very supportive even though uh, they were mostly uh, steeped in illustration so they were like we don't really know what you're doing but we trust that you know what you're doing um And then because of that, they uh, suggested I go to some pig squad events and the rest is history. Like I just started going and attending and doing my first game jams and taking part in workshops and socials and keeping my thumb on the pulse of like what was happening in the gaming industry. And uh, yeah, it's kind of like a thing that snowballed out of control. And now I'm doing games full time. So So you went to college in Portland? Yes, I went to Pacific Northwest College of Art. Being an East Coast kid, I don't know much about West Coast art schools, yeah. so you'll have to forgive me. <laughs> I think I know like Cal Art, maybe that's it. I was going to say, I think I don't know as much about East Coast art schools, so yeah. I mean, there's like, you, you list them off. What are the big West Coast art schools? I mean, uh, obviously yours. Is, there's uh, Cornish in Seattle. There's Cal Arts. Um... There's PNCA. Those are all kind of like sister schools. I actually like think those those are the only ones I can think of. I think we have the or- Oregon College of Arts and Crafts too, um, but that's all that comes to mind. 
I'm sure I'm forgetting some like very good schools. <laughs> and they're listening right now, being very upset. I'll never get my master's now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think for me, I think it's like uh, RISD. I was going to say RISD. Uh, SVA mm-hmm. in New York. Um, Pratt, I think, is also in New York. Mm-hmm. Is also kind of an art school. Um, VCU, which is here in Richmond, is kind of like a big public art school and more focused on fine art. Yeah. SCAD, obviously. Oh man, yeah, you got all of them. Never mind. We got all of them. <laughs> That's cool. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad you had uh, supportive uh, professors that allowed you to get into games because I know that can be a difficult thing. And also, like you said, with like the gatekeeping stuff. Yeah. Uh, being an artist, like not knowing, or you didn't say gatekeeping. I was gonna say gatekeeping. It feels like there's gatekeeping when you are in a non-technical role in games. Yeah. And it feels intimidating to get into that stuff. There's kind of this idea that it's like, well, it's like how everyone on Twitter is always like, I'm an aspiring game developer, but it's like, no, you are one because you're making games. Like it's not, there's not this like level up that you get to where you're like, now I'm a game developer. Like you don't need to have a commercial release. You don't even need to have anything finished. Like if you're making games, you're a game developer. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of like, I'm regretful that it took me that long to get over that idea of gatekeeping, but I'm happy that I did because uh, it got me into games pretty fast. So, And I think AAA contributes to a lot of that gatekeeping mentality because it's like, oh, you need one ship title in yeah. order to apply yeah. for this role. And then people are like, you don't really... You don't really just says that. <laughs> I also feel like there's so many people that don't even know like indie games exist. Like they do on like a periphery, like... There's people who just only will play what's on like their PlayStation or their Switch and they'll be like, oh, this is what indie games are. But there's like so much stuff like just going on itch is like so inspiring because you just see all this stuff that's like really short games that take like maybe five minutes to play that like you can get for like a couple dollars or for free. And you can just see like how many people are making games and how cool some of that stuff is. And sometimes how much better some of that stuff is than the stuff you see like on more quote unquote, like official channels. Um, yeah. So it takes a lot of different forms. Uh, there's no prescribed way to like make games or be a game developer. Right. I'm curious um, what your perspective that you've seen on that at like trade shows because you've uh, helped show Dicey Dungeons mm-hmm. and uh, World Next Door to a lesser extent, like at multiple PAXs mm-hmm. uh, at this point. Um, and I'm curious, like, do you see that mentality? Do you see that split happen like very prevalently where it's like people say you're maybe like the Dicey Dungeons booth? on their way to go to like the big AAA booth or something like that. Like I I've shown it shows, but nothing as large as pack. So yeah. I've never seen that big, big enough dichotomy of, of those two things. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. Um, I'll start kind of with the world next door only because it's like chronological. Like I was helping off, uh, show that game off at conventions and stuff before dicey. And that was really interesting because, uh, you know, there's obviously people that, are already on board with that type of game. And they're just like, oh yeah, I'm interested in this. It's really character focused and the art is great. And I'm into this game. And then uh, last, man, I cannot believe it was only last summer, but last summer we were at DreamHack in uh, Austin. And that is a very esports convention. So like uh, I, the stereotype is like a little bit true that it was like very bro and there was like a lot of like esports dudes and there were just like, a huge PUBG tournaments happening and like that game is like this like 
match three twist with like storytelling in the style of a visual novel. So it's very different than like a lot of the other things that were there. And we had people come and sit down and they were just like, totally not the type of person I would like look at and think would enjoy that game. And then they'd be like, wow, that was really fun. Like, I really liked that. I hadn't <laughs> heard about this before. So you got like a battle Royale mode come in or like, <laughs> yeah. like jerseys yeah, selling. I Can I get my Jersey for the world next door? Um, man, that'd be great. Um, but yeah, yeah it's tell like, fan gamer or someone. It's really interesting. Like kind of having that firsthand experience of, in that space witnessing people kind of like maybe interact with their first indie game and like think positively about it and be surprised about it uh because it's like this exchange where it's like this person who i think maybe wouldn't be interested in this game sits down and plays this game that they're like maybe not a hundred percent on and then they play it and they're like wow that was really good like that was the feedback we heard a lot from that type of crowd uh which was cool um, and then, yeah, kind of with Dicey Dungeons in the same way, we've been at uh, PAX South and East now, and we did Day of the Devs. Um, but, you know, there's like big AAA presences at, at the PAX stuff, and you'd see the people who are kind of just there to like go get swag, and then they'd like somehow end up in our booth and play the game. And there's just like this, I feel like there's always a really pleasantly surprised response to people who like aren't familiar with indie games who've been playing these games for the first time. And it's kind of nice to like raise awareness of that scene in places where uh, people won't most expect it. Yeah. I think, I mean, I feel like that's, what's really cool about the, the consumers in this industry is that they do seem for the most part, from what I've seen pretty uh, open to trying games outside their their normal wheelhouse yeah for sure one like kind of anecdotal thing i thought was really cool and uh i'm gonna sound like i'm tooting my own horn a little bit but i think because of the art style of dicey dungeons we had a lot of uh kids and families come play the game which i thought was really cool uh like i think it's a very like approachable looking game and uh it's also like designed so well by terry that it's like super accessible for kids to just be like oh it's numbers and play it but i thought that was a really cool thing that i didn't necessarily think about when we were working on the game in our own studios but uh bringing it out to crowds it was really cool to see that yeah do um do you also get any sort of draw or big draw from like because i didn't know pax south this year was terry's first like pax yeah I don't know if you told me that or he told me that, but when I heard that, I was like, wow, really? Because, I mean, like, he's been a name in, in the indie space yeah. for a long time, so I'm curious, have you seen a lot of people come, it's like, oh, finally, a new Terry Cavanaugh game, gonna gonna play it, and it's here, and it's, it's showable and stuff. Like, I love VVVVVV or Super Hexagon uh -huh. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, definitely that happens. I think that for the most part, uh, we have a lot of people playing the game right now because we've done open development. Uh, so we'll get like the occasional people that come by who are like, yeah, I've been playing this game since he started working on it. So it's sort of like people from our discord and stuff come and that's really cool. Um, and then I think for a lot of the people, cause like you go to those shows so that people who don't know about your game know about your game. So we have a lot of people who will come by and be like, Oh, what is this? And they'll play it. And then they'll like see the name on it and be like, wait, Terry Cavanaugh made this. And he's like behind them and he's like, Hey, that's me. And they're like, whoa. <laughs> Um, so yeah, there's a little bit of that. Like people definitely are very familiar with him. And then Chipsel did all of our music too. So we'll have a lot of people that like, I literally watched one person get very starstruck when they met, when they met her <laughs> and I'm just there. I'm like, hi, nobody really knows who I am, but I get to work with these two, which is really cool. <laughs> 
yeah, I saw Chip Sale just had like a, a big like article written about her on the verge because of like the Game Boy 30th anniversary yep. stuff and like because she's a big chiptune artist, she was included in all that. Yeah, that was pretty I cool honestly like cannot believe that I'm getting to do art for a game that like Terry is designing and she's doing music for. Like, pinch me. They're great. They're like awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so going into that, I remember Terry kind of had like an open call for like an artist to help uh, with his game when Dicey Dungeons was like in a prototyping phase. Um, I remember the the programmer art was very much VVV VVV inspired. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as much as you are allowed to or can, like, can you can you kind of go into detail, like, what that process was like of, like, kind of getting the gig and, like, in starting that working relationship on working on Dicey Dungeons? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can go into great detail, like, which is kind of an interesting thing about this project, because uh, usually I'm working on stuff that's, like, NDA or will never be released. But with this one, it's, like, open development, so I can talk about as much as I want. Um but yeah, it was uh, from that uh, tweet that Terry sent out where he was like, I'm looking for an art director for this game. Um, and I'm going to, it's kind of embarrassing. Like I looked at the game and I did not recognize his name. Like I have played his games before, but I was just like, oh, this looks cool. And I kind of checked the game out and uh, I was like, yeah, I'll apply. Because uh, at the time I'm just doing full time freelance. So I'm always looking for gigs. Um but yeah, I was uh, looking at the game and I played like a couple rounds of like one playthrough. Like I played a couple battles and I thought it was pretty fun. Uh, so I applied and it was just like a Google Forms I filled out and I had shared uh, some of the work I had done previously on games, uh, which was nothing like a commercial release. Like I'd done lots of game jams and I'd done a lot of illustration outside of video games and animation. Uh, and I had one game that I had released, which was a web game called Lost Wage Rampage, um, which I did with Jane Friendoff from New York. And uh, we had it at, actually, funnily enough, we had it at the Now Play This Festival in London that Terry's wife runs. Um, so I think he was actually familiar with my work kind of because of that. Um, but he saw my portfolio and he's like, hit me up by email and was like, Hey, do you want to have a call? Like, I really like your stuff. Like we should talk. And so, uh, I was like, okay, cool. So I'm going to play through the whole game before we have this call because I need to like be familiar with it and, uh, come to him with some ideas. Um, so I was playing through it at her office and, uh, Will actually walked by me and he's like, oh, this is Terry Cavanaugh's new game. And I was like, yes, I'm going to get on a call with him later about maybe doing art for it. And he was like, oh my God, you say yes to this if he wants you to do it. Like he made this game and this game. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize. Like it's so embarrassing. But um, yeah, I like really like his game. So it was really cool to uh, realize that thankfully before I got on the call. Um, but yeah, we had a really good conversation. Um, I sent him some like mood boards and stuff of stuff I thought would be really good. In addition to my examples of my, uh, portfolio and, uh, told him some ideas I had mostly we talked about how I felt like one thing I really liked about the art that was in the game was that all the environments were really different. And it made me think of like Alice in Wonderland and like really leaning into that weird sort of like every single time you go through a door, it's a totally different space and like totally random enemies and stuff like that. And he was sort of like, yeah, that's sort of like what I was going for. And I was looking at uh, 
the art of Alice in Wonderland from the Disney film when I was thinking about this game and stuff. So, uh, yeah, there was like a lot of like really good connections we made and, um, and that's kind of how I got the gig. (laughs) The rest is history. That's pretty cool. I really love your art style. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a very like, uh, I mean, we can go into like what your like artistic inspirations for that stuff is, yeah. but like I think it's it's so, I think it works so well with with that with that game. And I know Terry in the past has like been very upfront of like, yeah, my art's trash or whatever. <laughs> like when people, they're like, oh, this game looks very different from what it used to, and he's like, oh, you mean because it used to look bad. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually a funny thing, uh, because I mentioned before, we've had some people playing since the beginning, um, or just like played when it came like to fruition, but not like anytime recently. So we'll have people playing the game at conventions, they'll be like, I feel like I've played this game before. It's like you did, it just looked totally different. Like it was totally different looking game. Um, But yeah, uh, as far as like, the process of making that art and the inspiration, I think uh, that game is very uh, emblematic of like what my illustration style is like. Um, I didn't really do much like style adjusting or anything for the game at all, which has been like really fun because it's it feels very me. Um, but yeah, I'm like very have always been very inspired by like mid-century uh, children's book illustration. Um, I really like like flat shapes and minimal line work uh, that I think really comes across. Um, and then it's kind of like a mix of that and like game art that exists now. Um, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. It's kind of like hard to explain this like weird mashup, but I look at a lot of different stuff. Like I look at a lot of anime and manga and mid-century like American illustration and also video games. So you get this like odd mashup of it. Um but yeah, making making the art for the game was a really interesting experience too. It also has like like you said, like mid-century like illustrative but also kind of like um I don't know if art deco is the right movement to to quantify it yeah. but like uh maybe like a Steven Silver yep. or um Who's the guy did like fairly odd parents all his like Butch Hartman or whatever. Oh my god, yeah, I absolutely like all the um all the like cartoons I would watch on Boomerang, like the Hanna Barbera stuff, was like really influential right. on me. Like especially the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, like, man, absolutely like ate that stuff up, and I think it kind of like seeped into the art I ended up doing. It's very distinct, which is which is awesome. Yeah. Um, is that something you like establish or find that style like at the end of like your college career? Or is that something that like constantly got developed into like while you started? I think that, uh, I think that the stuff I'm making now, like, I feel like it's very different than what I was doing in college, but like, probably it's not really like, I think, uh, the style that I'm working in now was definitely developed in college. Like if you look at the stuff that I submitted to art colleges when I knew I wanted to go to art school, like it's totally wildly different. Um, but when I was in college and actually had the time to like sit down and like look at art and make art and think about what I really like to do, uh, I kind of fell into, uh, the trajectory of what led to sort of like what I'm making now, like experimenting with, uh, like digital art, like everything I do is pretty much digital now. Um, but I really like to try and make it look like it's not like it's, 
it's this weird like balance of like, I really like texture and I really like color and I like to do all of this, but uh, being in games, you know, I want to do it fast. So uh, developing sort of that pipeline and everything happened while I was in college. And I think since I've graduated has just like gotten more refined. I hope, like, I hope I've gotten better than I was <laughs> when I graduated, but I'd like to think so. Well, I, would, I would imagine. Yeah. Like more you practice it, it just, even if you're not intentionally trying to make it better, it usually yeah if you're not getting like quote unquote better you're at least getting faster i've been working on uh some stuff recently for a project that was like characters i actually started drawing like two years ago and finally like landing on the way i like those characters to look for this project was just like oh my god like it's so it's almost embarrassing to see how i drew two years ago (laughs) but i think that never ends i think you always look at something you did two years ago and you're just like ooh, i don't want to see that anymore (laughs) No, yeah, I feel you. Like I'm current, like the current project I'm working on in my own time. Like, like, all right, time to do a little bit of like character design. Do some. Oh God! <laughs> all right, this could be a lot of me just sitting here hating the thing that's coming out of my hand, yes. and then still having to do it. Yep. Yeah, character design. Uh, uh, tying it back into Dicey really quick. Character design was like the number one thing for this game because there's so many characters in this game. Um, which was kind of a funny process because uh, Terry had already like made this whole game loop and had like 50 characters, like 50 enemies in the game and was planning on six playable characters. So when I came in, like all these characters were already designed, uh, but they were like very uh, Dungeons and Dragons themed and Terry had expressed that he wanted to get away from that. Uh, so it was stuff like, oh, you'd just be fighting like a goblin or an orc or a bat or something. So my favorite part about working with the art on this game was that I had this really interesting challenge where there were all these enemies already in the game and I had to like figure out a way to make them more unique. So what I ended up doing, which I thought was really cool, was I made, I had a spreadsheet of every enemy and all the moves that they had. And I basically reskinned them based on the moves that they had. So like the bat, for instance, like would suck HP out of you. So I made it a vacuum and like, there's like, like a sentient vacuum. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was really cool. I really liked, that was the only uh, time I had ever had something like that to bounce off of for character design, like make a character that would have all of these attacks um, and doing that like 50 times. Um, but it was really cool. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. I like the uh, space marine that can just be in like woodsy fantastical or fantasy setting. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, now I'm just finding a space marine. I like this. Yeah, I think the space marine was like an archer who was like charging up his bow. And then I just made it like a plasma rifle. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, also, like I like the very generic space marine that's like obviously riffing on like multiple types of space marines yes. that exist. Yes. Classic. It's very good. So your art style, like you said, this is kind of like your first kind of commercial game, mm-hmm. like using like your default, your your personal art style, right? Yeah. Like other projects, it's kind of more so like you're adapting to the style of the game. Mm-hmm. Is it something you would like to do going forward, like working on other projects, like if you had the option, like have a suite of games that are easily recognizable as like the Marlowe Doby games? Like these are the games that Marlowe worked on because like 
she was you know ad on them and so you can obviously tell like oh yeah like absolutely i know that's uh you know not necessarily like everyone's desire to like have that sort of like oh all these games were clearly worked on by this artist but like i don't know if it's like an ego thing or what but (laughs) i really like what i do and if i uh get the chance to like you know be art director and be art lead on a variety of different games i could not ask for anything more i think that would be really cool yeah i want to talk about i want to talk about pokemon gym leaders and your your misty illustration because i (laughs) liked it a lot is there are there any more in the works i think i only saw the misty one oh man probably i really like that project i actually did that on a plane (laughs) i think i was going two packs south when i drew that but i really like that i have a really good team rocket one i'm sitting on that i also did on a plane that i need to post soon but yeah. Like Jesse and James or like generic Rocket Grunts? Jesse, James, and Meowth. Can't forget Meowth, obviously. Um, that's right. That's funny that you say that, though, because uh, it's sort of like this thing was like, yeah, this will be a side project that maybe I'll like finish in 10 years. I'll finally draw the last gym leader of just the original eight. Um, but I was just talking to my friend before we got on this call, and I was just like, man. I got to stop saying yes to like all these side projects because like you just can't get rid of that freelancing mentality sometimes where you just like always want to say yes. Um, Cause I'm like, I'm just going to take on one side project, like a quarter, like that's going to be my plan. And maybe it'll be drawing gym leaders. I would like that. And also legendary Pokemon. Cause you had that Lugia yep. illustration you did yep. after seeing Pokemon 2000, a movie I'm sure holds up. Oh, it's obviously quality cinema. <laughs> It's actually kind of depressing to watch them like when you're an adult because you remember them being so good. Like that was the first movie I went to that my parents dropped me and my brother off alone and we got to see the movie. And of course, they picked us up right after. But we thought we were like real adults seeing a really serious (laughs) Pokemon movie. Yeah. Oh, I guess the world will turn to ash. You can't can't make this shit up. You just can't write this shit. But you can actually because someone did. And put it in a children's film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think uh I went with my friend to go see Pokemon Three the yeah. movie. And I think um their mom was there with us, or my mom was there with us. One of one of our mothers was there, and I think they hated every second of that movie just because we wouldn't shut up. <laughs> Cause we were just like, Oh man, look at that. Oh god, it's the unknown, look at the Entei, and then like cracking jokes the entire time. I have this very distinct memory of like, I don't remember how old I was when that movie came out, but I was like young. And I remember like hearing about that movie somehow online with dial up internet. And I was like really excited about it. And I thought it looked really like even grittier and more serious than Pokemon the movie 2000. And I remember talking to my mom about it and I was like, it's called like mystery of the unknown. And it's like got all these like super serious Pokemon. It. And she's just like, uh-huh. 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 Probably thinking like, oh my god, I can't believe I have to go see this movie too. <laughs> oh man. But she'll forever, my mom will forever talk about uh the Pokemon Forever movie because mm. uh we had that on DVD and me and my brother watched it on our portable DVD player on every car ride. And so that my parents would just have to listen to like Celebi screeching for an hour <laughs> and a half while they drove. <laughs> I don't think I ever saw Pokemon Forever. I think I stopped at three. Yeah, that's probably good. Like, I think that even Pokemon Forever did not have the same, like, luster as a kid as the other three did for me. (laughs) 
Marlo, I know we're going kind of off script, but I kind of want to do this little um, a little quiz on you yeah. to, to challenge how much of a, a Pokey fan oh, you God. are. Um, I have a list here of every single Pokemon animated movie. Uh, and I want you to see how many of them you can name. Actually, let me bring them up on my desktop okay. so I can, I can demark them appropriately. I think I, I will be able to guess fairly well to a certain extent, the like Pokemon the movies were about, but not the like byline of the movie. Right. Yeah. Like I, I um, if you can get me like general, well, I'm not even going to know general synopsis. Yeah. You, you see more of these <laughs> than I have, but we're just gonna we're just gonna try to figure it out. Okay. So there's obviously Pokemon the first movie. Exactly. Mewtwo yes. Mewtwo and Mew classic. Pokemon the movie 2000. Uh, the one that I previously thought was the best, but don't know anymore because I watched it. <laughs> Uh, there's, a uh, Pokemon, the movie three, which is funny because there was never a Pokemon, the second movie. Um, well, technically it, it is Pokemon three colon the movie. Oh, Pokemon three, the movie. Like, yes. Is it like mystery of the unknown? Uh, no, I think, well, let me see. Wikipedia. I what have you got? to know. Pokemon three colon. Oh my God. The title of this movie. Pokemon three colon the movie colon Entei <laughs> M dash spell of the unknown. Spell of the unknown. Oh boy, God, that's the two, a mouthful. The, the two colons and then the end dash. Man, really they really just mess with me. Fell off the off the wagon with that one. Um, okay, and then the fourth one is Pokemon Forever, which is right. Celebi. And then I think the next one is the Latios and Latios one, um, with the two like twin dragon Pokemon. Yes. So. Uh... I think that one marks where I kind of fell off watching Pokemon movies because that one was like really grating because they screeched the whole movie too. And I thought it was annoying. Um, and then I think the one after that is Deoxys and Jirachi. Hold on. My <laughs> spreadsheet, my spreadsheet is in alphabetical order, not well, chronological order. Well, that's silly. So it got screwed up because Pokemon, the first movie was at the bottom because it doesn't <laughs> have a number in it. All right. So yes. The first movie, 2003, the movie, Spell the Unknown, yep. then Celebi, Latios and Latias is the next one. Uh-huh. And then... Deoxys is not the one after that. Damn it. Okay. It's it's uh the Jirachi one. Okay. I thought that was the same one. No. There are two different ones. There's Jirachi hyphen Wishmaker, <laughs> and then the one after that, Destiny... Deoxys. Uh, okay, Deoxys. Uh, those ones, those last two were ones that my little sister watched, so I didn't okay, actually so you like, have, like partial and knowledge. And after that, I have absolutely no clue, like no idea at all. All right, we got uh, Pokemon colon Lucario and the Mystery of Mew. Oh, obviously Lucario. Duh. Pokemon Ranger in the Temple of the Sea. Scary sounding. Pokemon the Rise of Darkrai. Oh, <laughs> oh, I forgot about I Choose You. I did see that in theaters. Right, which is like, what was that? That's like a remake, right? It's like a kind of like reboot of, it's like the first like encounter of Ash and Pikachu kind of. Right. It's like the first couple episodes or something. Yeah, but then they like totally go way off script and like they add all these new Pokemon and it gets really weird. Do they still see the Ho-Oh, Marlo? Do they still I, see the Ho-Oh? I honestly can't remember. I was kind of drunk when I saw it. <laughs> As I will be when I go see Detective Pikachu. <laughs> oh my God. God. That, that that movie's gonna be a trip. They've already confirmed there's a second one in production. Oh hell yeah! How many movies are there? Like, what's the uh, number? 
by the count, I believe, is like 22. My God. They've made so much money. There's that new... Did you see the new... Uh, it looks like a remake of Pokemon, the first movie, but in 3D. Oh, yes. I heard about that. What is that called? I don't know, but everyone online is like, God, this looks awful. And I watched the trailer, and I kind of think it looks really fun. <laughs> but, like, there are also people who think Detective Pikachu looks legit great. So, you know, I don't I don't align with everyone on Pokemon movie views. Right. The Let's see. The movie is titled Pokemon Mewtwo Strikes Back evolution evolution being in all caps who names these it's like a it's like a test group somewhere (laughs) i have this on the list i just found out i have this on the list of my uh my video game movie watch cast it's on there good no 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 release date announced so well for the future just uh hope and pray hope and pray hope and pray it comes out they just announced that tomb raider 2 movie oh that minecraft movie I did uh did see the last Tomb Raider movie and thought it was a lot of good campy fun. Oh yeah? Yeah. The the rebooted one? Yeah. I love a good like action movie, especially when it's like not super testosterone-y. Like like I like action movies a lot. Like Die Hard, I could watch yeah. I actually like watch Die Hard and Lethal Watching Weapon. It right now. Every year. I'm actually watching it right now. Uh me and my best friend try and watch Die Hard and Lethal Weapon every year for the holidays. Which is like the joke as old as time, but like it's a good holiday movie. <laughs> I've I've never uh, I don't think I've ever seen Lethal Weapon. Uh, Lethal Weapon is uh, just like an action movie, super cheesy. Like every kind of buddy cop show you know about now is pretty much based off of it, and it has a lot of saxophone music. Um, okay. But there's a really cool uh, theater in town, actually not very far from where I work here in Portland, called the Funhouse Lounge, and they have started writing their own musicals and like they're like a bar, but they're also like a th- fringe theater group. Um, so it's this really like interesting experience. And I used to go a lot because they would do bingo every Sunday, where they'd all dress up like uh, people from an old folks' home and like <laughs> improv a bingo night, and you'd get like really dumb prizes. Like I have a shack like action figure in a box and stuff that i got from it but they started writing their own musicals we're really off topic now um but they did a couple years ago they did die hard the musical parody and it is absolutely one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life and i went again last year and i'm probably gonna go in this year and they like sell out and i'm so happy it's really popular and they're just amazing like i think about that all the time when i think about die hard they have like a whole song for like, like everything, like the cop eating too many donuts. They have a whole song and like <laughs> someone comes out on a tw- in a Twinkie costume and dances like it's great. <laughs> if you're in Portland, I would highly recommend checking that that place out. <laughs> God, I'll put that on my wish list. Yeah. How is the Bruce Willis stand in? Oh my God. He's so good. He like does the like side mouth thing that Bruce Willis does like the whole, the whole show. Uh, He's very, very good. It's very funny. I like that. (laughs) All right. Getting back to art and video games. Yes. So like another project. So like we said, you're also had a hand in world next door Mm -hmm. and that was like a project you did not use your like personal art style on. Yep. And so like, how was, how, how, how was that project? Like, like you said, you like, you were kind of like helping out where you could, you wore many hats, but like with your, with the VFX stuff and other stuff you helped out with, um, how'd that all go for you? It's good. Um, I really like doing, uh, 
I don't know. For myself personally, I find like VFX animations like the easiest type to do. Uh, so I wasn't even necessarily uh, tied to matching too much of the animation style and game for all the characters and everything. Um, and by the time I was doing it, there was already a couple VFX animations done. So I really uh, had to base what I was doing kind of off how those looked. And it was actually kind of interesting because I was uh, essentially working on like a couple animations from a different artist to do all the VFX for that. So I had sort of a style guide. Um, but I was looking at the the way he had animated like a strike animation or a heel animation and stuff. And I had like reverse engineered how he did all this stuff in Photoshop. And I actually learned how to do some different stuff in Photoshop. Like I never really used like layer styles in Photoshop before, but now like I'm all about layer styles because I figured out how to do them because of that. Um, but yeah, kind of looking at uh, the way that uh, frames were divvied out and how many frames were in an animation and how fast that movement moved was kind of cool to like look at a healing animation and be like, okay, now I'm going to do like a lightning strike like that goes across the whole board and like do it in this style and stuff. And I thought I, uh, I think I did like a pretty good job of matching that. And it was kind of, kind of fun to flex my muscles and work in a different style for a second on that game. So you didn't always, so the, um, the other artists that worked on it, you weren't, you didn't get their like exact pipeline, but you were trying to like kind of ascertain what their pipeline was like. Yeah. Yeah. And it was more of a thing where like, I, I totally could have like hit him up and asked him how he animated the stuff, but I was just like, oh yeah, like I can tell that this is like an outline in Photoshop and stuff. So it was like kind of easy to, uh, it's like solving a puzzle, like kind of easy to like look at it and like un construct it and see what the the pieces are looking at other people's photoshop files is so fascinating like i don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to do it a little bit i've had on occasion i feel like if i knew other people were looking at my photoshop files they'd be a lot cleaner than they are and i would like name my layers (laughs) layer one copy 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 yeah i just like uh depend on looking at the really small thumbnail and knowing what that layer is um, but yeah, looking at other people's, uh, Photoshop files is really cool. I think it's actually a really interesting way to like learn how to do other things in the software. Cause yeah. Photoshop can do like everything to the point where it's sometimes overwhelming and you don't really know how to like use it in as many ways as you might find helpful. Like just last week I taught myself how to finally use the like swatches window where you just have like colors up that you can pick yeah. from. Uh, and you can change them on the fly and I'll change them in the, yeah, in the scene. Yeah, damn, I should have been doing that for years, but uh just learned that last week. Um, I know about that and I just, I, I never mess with it. I'm like, I should. Ah, I just. always just closed it and never used it and just used the eyedropper tool. And then it got to the point where actually with Dicey Dungeons where I was just like opening up old files so I could color pick off of them. And I was just like, I need to just have like a palette open that I can just have and not have to go through the rigmarole of finding all the files that it colors I want to reference and stuff. So I was uh, doing design work at like a app developer in town once Mm -hmm. as like an internship. And yeah, I got someone's Photoshop file and there was like all of these um, app designs, like, like screen layouts. And I was trying to, I don't know. He did something that was like, I thought was like super weird. I can't remember what it was. Like he, uh, he like duplicated like a bunch of assets, like, all the time like because because you can organize stuff like you can have like a um what is that what is that system called where you can just like hit a button and it'll 
uh, show and hide all different layers depending on like you can save like presets of like display modes. Oh my god, I don't even know. Like I've never even heard of that before, but that sounds wild. <laughs> yeah, like there's a system where like you basically make a preset of like okay, naming this you know loading screen. Yeah, and loading screen is going to have this layer visible and this layer visible and all these other layers turned off, and oh you just god. hit it and it does it automatically, and then you hit another one. It's like all right, start screen, and it'll turn the loading screen layers off and turn all the other ones. That on. makes so me like sweaty, like the idea of thinking about being that organized in my Photoshop <laughs> file. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh god. Or how about your like your file structure in general, just like on your desktop? Sometimes I like look at mine. I'm just like, this is a mess. Oh my god! Every single time I start a new project, too, I'm like, this is the one. This is the <laughs> one where I'm gonna have all my files organized. And like with Dicey Dungeons, I think I got halfway there. Like it gets worse the longer the project goes on because you just have more files. And I finally got to the point where I'm like, I'm just gonna type it in the search bar. I can't find this file anymore. But <laughs> The structure is there. I will say I always make sure everything's nice and organized in Google Drive for like my clients, but yeah. for myself, uh, maybe not not so much all the time. All the podcast files I keep pretty organized, and uh, I had Kevin Regami from Power Up on last year, mm -hmm. and when he sent me the file of his recording, he, it was uh, named in the same format that I named oh, mine. Yes, and I was like, oh wow, like. He like looked at the because I sent him like the Google Drive link and I guess he looked at the file name or the folder oh, name and was like, all right, good name it that way. I, I was thought like, you oh, were cool. gonna say it was just a serendipitous coincidence. No. And it's just like I'm doing it like the power up guy's doing it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he he saw it was funny though, because then I went and renamed it to something else because like individual files, I don't use that naming structure, but like yeah. file system folders, I use that system. Absolutely. But it was the thought that mattered. Yes, it's the thought that counts. Right. Um <laughs> Also interesting how you brought up how much you can learn from people's Photoshop files because uh, I have a similar reaction to Photoshop files, but also to uh, other people's code. Mm -hmm. And that's a big thing oh, yeah. programmers talk about. If you look at other people's code, like you learn all these interesting little nuances or how they comment their code or how they like do function calls or all this kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, I totally believe that. I took like a programming class. Uh, so I did like a little bit of Java programming and... Uh, from like the minor experiences I've had, like looking at other people's code is so helpful. Yeah. Do you, do you get in there much at all? Like, do you have to like, like hook up animations in any of your projects via code or any of that stuff? No, I don't. I actually, uh, that's something I kind of want to do more of, like, especially we're not, uh, working in unity on dicey dungeons, the games coded in hacks, but, uh, on, some projects that I'll be working on later, uh, they're going to be in unity and I'm actually really excited to learn how to actually like implement things myself. Um, cause I think that'll be a very valuable skill to have. Uh, and every time I've done like a game jam, you know, there's like no time. So I'm just like, here's all the assets. Like, go. <laughs> <laughs> do you like, do you do it via Git, or you just like drop them in a cloud folder somewhere Usually just drop them, them in a cloud folder and honestly that's like another thing too i'm like god i need to like actually learn how to use git uh there's this really nice guy uh in uh pig squad who's been talking about like yeah like i was working on this project with my friends they made a, a twine game um and he said he taught all of his friends how to use git in like 40 minutes and we're like talking about getting him to do a workshop for us and i'm just like i also want that like i will also be there for myself not just to help organize the event right yeah we should do one for rva game jams i'm thinking about it yeah because like like there's 
because I had like a very late introduction to get like after I graduated college Mm -hmm. and like, you know, I have a CS degree, so I should know this shit. (laughs) But like even being someone that's in that was in the CS department, I even felt like there was gatekeeping removing me from like learning that stuff. I was going to say it really like that's another gatekeeping thing that I think is totally arbitrary, but like. I feel like I should know how to use Git, but it's like really scary to me because I don't know what it is. But it's honestly probably the most simple thing like ever. <laughs> and you can and you can get away with just using um just like a, a GUI solution. Like I don't do command line shit like at all ever for any anything I do professionally. Um, to many of my colleagues' uh, uh, disappointment, <laughs> but yeah, like it. We you, you like first learn like oh i can just drag and drop stuff in here and then like i commit it and oh look it's saved to github now and then like a couple years later it's like all right but what if i like wanted like a what if i wanted like two versions running concurrently and then someone's like well have you branched a commit before and you're like no like just <laughs> branch it now you have two different branches like, now What's i gotta the... think about trees damn yeah. it <laughs> i can't think about trees i'm coding i'm <laughs> making games over here <laughs> only trees i care about are binary trees yeah or polygonal ones exactly polynomial trees mm-hmm. uh <laughs> yeah like it's it's a weird thing to gatekeep but yeah i think it's a would be a good um tool to have just like in your back pocket so yeah you can for sure i'm always interested in like learning new software too even though it's like kind of scary and kind of hard sometimes but you know like i'd always I really like to learn like different animation software and stuff. Uh, I have some friends who are what I would consider real animators. Um, and they asked me like, how'd you do all the animation for Dicey Dungeons? And I'm like, well, I did all my frame by frame in Photoshop. And then it's like a mix of Photoshop. And then I import it into After Effects and do some puppet animation with that. And my French is just like, we need to find you some new software. <laughs> like, I don't know. It works for me though. I'm also very much like whatever software works for you is like totally legit. It's like, why would you say that someone like can't make a game in game maker? You know, like there's great games that were made in game maker and it's not unity and that's fine. Um, so yeah. But that animation window in Photoshop though, it's brutal. It's, there's something like not there's not even onion skinning in it there's something not right there is onion skinning actually you have to like it's kind of hard to turn off and on it so you have to like go through a drop down Uh, menu but it exists um yeah it's not the most intuitive i think mostly i use it because i don't want to get rid of my brushes like i i draw with my photoshop brushes and i can't import them into other things so it's like I'd have to learn a whole bunch of new brushes and that sounds like a pain too. Yeah. Yeah. You want to hold on to the stuff you already have. Yeah. I'm like already like old and crotchety about how my animation works. <laughs> and then so like, so primarily Photoshop, you said After Effects is After Effects like export into like sprite sheets. Yeah. Or so like- this is actually really interesting. Um, we, when we had started working on the game, I was like, yep, this is sort of like what my process would be, especially because we had like 50 enemies in the game. Uh, this process uh, of working in Photoshop and After Effects and melding it is very much sort of one I've developed from like doing game jams and being like, this is the most efficient way for me to animate the most. Um, so it's like, yeah, like I do frame by frame animation, but that takes a long time. So I do it where it counts. And then I use puppet animation for the rest. Um, 
so I was doing that and I was like, I can export this into sprites. I can do individual like PNGs or I can do GIFs. Like you can kind of export from to anything from After Effects. Um, but the what ended up happening was like, it's kind of hard to describe like through audio how an animation looks. But for instance, like there's a character in the game that's a flaming marshmallow that is floating. So I did all the animation like frame by frame, but to have him float, I put him in After Effects and had him bob up and down. Uh, so in game, he like bobs up and down at 30 frames per second, but his facial animation is 10 frames per second. Um, so the problem is, is that 30 frames per second, that's a lot of frames, uh, for a sprite sheet. Um, like that would just be like pretty much making the same animation, but just moving it slightly up and down like a million, million times and putting it in a sprite sheet and it would take up so much space. So what we ended up doing actually our support programmer, uh, Yeso made a tool that reads my After Effects files, makes sprite sheets from them, and programmatically does all of the movement in game. Wow! So like, it's absolutely wild. Like, it's this like custom tool we made for the game, and I'm never gonna work in another game that like does this ever again, probably. But I really just hand them the After Effects files, and it can look at like the keyframes of where things move and translate it programmatically. So all the animation that can be done on a programming side just is all the tweening. Yeah. All the tweening and all the, you know, sweeping movements and stuff like that. I wonder if that's easier than, I don't know, like if I were to do it and I, I work primarily in unity, like there's like an animation system in there and I would just do it via that. Or if, if I would need to, I would programmatically do it. Um, but I would just do it like by eye. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know where to start like reading like an ASP is a, a, it's an AE, yeah. AE file, and then, like, I don't even know where you find that metadata in that file yep. and where you, like, how you can convert that. Yeah, and... I think it was kind of a, like, uh, product of us working in hacks and not Unity, is that, like, those tools don't exist for hacks, so we kind of, like, had to make it. I'm sure it would be much more, like, streamlined in Unity to just, like, import a GIF or even, like, a PNG sequence or something. No, yeah. Co-founder of RVA Game Jam as well, Blanton, is a um, staunch Flixel supporter and supporter of all work, Terry Cavanaugh. <laughs> and um, he... I, I've never messed with Hacks or Flixel, and I just walked up. I was like, so, Will, like, so how's your, like, pipeline work? Like, it was at a Game Jam, and I was just looking at it, and he was like, yeah, it's like, so, like, here's, like, the code base, and here's, like, you know, my text editor and stuff. I'm like, cool, cool. Where's, like, the editor window? And he's like, there is none. <laughs> and I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, you just you you make a draw call to like write oh all the sprites on and then you run it to see if it wrote them on the screen correctly. And I'm like, what? <laughs> how you, you but how first you tell me to think about trees and then you tell me there's not an editor window. You ask too much. <laughs> you ask too much. Oh, man. Yeah, that's wild. But everyone who I know who uses hacks talks about like how nice it is and they love it like oh yeah 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 like there's a staunch like i feel like hacks people have like ascended in a certain <laughs> way like they have like left all their worldly concerns behind <laughs> and have just accepted the the, the godly grace they've of, reached of hacks. code nirvana yeah code nirvana oh man i love is it is what it is <laughs> which i you know respect the hell out of them for it but like i don't know be it, it 
And Will has an art degree. Yeah. So like he has an art background. So obviously he got over his shit and I can't me over here. CS major. That's exactly like me being like, I don't want to learn new animation software. Forget it. I don't want to learn hacks. I don't want to learn. Or like I had the same problem with like Pico 8. Yeah. Like people are like, Pico 8's a great prototyping tool. I'm like, cool. Sit down. I'm like, I don't know any Lua. This is not a good prototyping tool for me. Man, we have some really amazing Pico 8 uh, programmers in the Pig Squad community. Uh, uh, my friend Christy has been doing like Pico 8 for the last year or so, and she's just been making like really cool small games. She made one that she, I believe she did for a Summer Slow Jam uh last year it was a recycling but like tetris so like you had like all these different recycling bins and you would have trash that would fall from the top and based on portland's recycling rules you had to figure out which bin it went in and so it was kind of like we're all very much about recycling in portland but like sometimes it's kind of confusing like there's too many rules like it's like is this compost or is this trash and you would play it and you'd think like oh i know how to recycle and you'd play it and you'd just be like oh i got two right <laughs> i got it wrong yeah yeah that west coast recycling stuff because it's like it's there's recycling and then there's compost and then there's trash right yes. like those are the, usually the three big distinctions yeah we don't have that here we just have trash we have recycling is it a thing to like bust your own tables too on the East Coast, or is that mostly a West Coast thing? Like when you're at a restaurant, yeah, like just clean up your stuff. And yeah, like there's a bus tub on the side of the restaurant. The way you're saying it, like it's so wild, makes me think that it's not a thing. Yeah, I don't think I've ever done that. I was gonna say that I think that I'm realizing this is mostly a West Coast thing. We're like. Uh, not like necessarily like restaurants where you like have a table that you like, you like any place where you would reserve a table or be able to reserve a table is not a place that you would bust your own oh, table. But you, were you talking about like a fast casual place? Well, not even like necessarily fast casual, just like most like restaurants. Like I think there's like, okay. like even kind of nice ones, like sort there's just this like, oh yeah, there's like bins by the door and you just bust your own food. And I went, when we were in DreamHack in the summer, I went to a restaurant in Austin to grab lunch. And I was like sitting, waiting for my food because it was to go. And I got a cup of water and I spent like three minutes walking around the restaurant looking for where to bust <laughs> my where stuff. To put it. And the guy just started laughing at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I was trying to be helpful. Like I thought I had to bust my own mess. <laughs> So I just have this inherent guilt about leaving plates at a table now, no matter where I go. Well, it's like the tipping, not tipping thing. Like yeah. if you go to Europe, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I'd get such anxiety about that. When I was at uh, at AGDQ with uh, Harris Foster. Oh my God. Yeah. We were both there, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Because he told me, he was like, oh, my friend Marlo's here. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, cool. Um, I don't think I know Marlo. And then like we, I think I either talked to you and Will or, or one of you at South yeah. about us being AGDQ and you were also AGDQ. I'm like, oh, this Marlo. Oh, I do know this Marlo. Yep. <laughs> Harris just did not give me enough information to uh, like, okay, I got it. Okay. Yeah. I can't believe we didn't run into each other because it's like one room. It's not in a, a big hotel. space. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I we should definitely are you gonna go next year to Orlando? Maybe like maybe. I don't know. Uh go we'll Disney see. World. I'm kind of like burnt out on traveling right now. Uh January was AGDQ and then we did Pack South. And then when we came back, we ran the Portland chapter for Global Game Jam. Uh so that was January. And then we've just been traveling a lot this year. So I'm kind of like down to not travel as much as possible for a while at least. But also, Marlo, Disney World. Oh, my God. Oh, you know what I'm excited about is Nintendo Land. Um, have you not heard about the Nintendo-themed no. theme park that's opening Wait. up? I think it's in Florida. Really? Uh, I think it's coming out in, like, two years. But I, like, watched their, you know, like, the dumb commercials they do for, like, theme parks that haven't been made yet, where it's all just, like, speculative. And it's like, I'm walking right next to Link. Um, I was was, uh, talking to Will about that, and I was just like, I'm going to go to that theme park, and I'm going to ride around in a freaking Mario Kart, and I'm going to be drinking a slushie I paid $20 for called, like, Bowser's Bathwater, and I'm going to be so excited (laughs) about it. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to love every minute of it. I don't like really go to theme parks, but I'd be like so like belligerent and happy <laughs> at that theme park. Just tackling the mascot characters like yeah, the one like, dressed up as like Tom Nook or whatever. <laughs> you're like, get, uh, give me my money back. Pushing kids over. You're not a real gamer. <laughs> if you're excited about Bowser's Bathwater, have you heard about the uh, Mr. Mime mystery flavor Slurpee? Um, yes, I have. I think that that is also... <laughs> Okay, actually, this is also a conversation I had where everyone I've been talking to about going to see that movie is like, we have to get like blackout drunk before we go or else it won't be like... <laughs> it won't be real. Yeah, it won't be real and it won't be like manageable. Um, but I, someone sent a picture of the Slurpee and I was just like, yeah, you got to like go to 7-Eleven and ask for like two shots of vodka in that Slurpee and then you're good to go. Like, <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, boy. I, uh... Well, I got You gotta. You gotta be sober enough to take care of your Detective Pikachu Pokemon card that they give to you. Oh yeah. At the theater. Absolutely, man. I hope that the Mister Mime slushie is like peach fuzz flavored, because oh. he's got a lot of peach fuzz going on. It's true. That's they. Those Pokemon designs. Those like le- real life Pokemon yeah. designs really thread the toe the line between like terrifying and like actually kind of charming. But you know what? I, I was staunchly on the side of terrifying, and then all of the images from the Sonic movie leaked, and I was like, I don't know, they're kind of cute now, I guess, <laughs> like comparatively. I don't I don't need a, a relativistic model. I think I think Jigglypuff, Mr. Mime, I think they look all right. I it's think like that, uh, absolutely wild to me how much my outlook on that movie changed after I saw the Sonic stuff. Like <laughs> I went back to it, and I was like, actually, I can kind of see how it's a little cute. <laughs> You don't like Sonic with his his sexy, sexy, muscular legs? I had a dream the other night that I watched the whole movie. Like, my whole dream was me watching the movie, and it was, like, not good. Like, it probably (laughs) won't be good in real life either. Yeah, I was about to say, like, true to form. (laughs) Like, you just had a premonition of what your actual viewing experience. Yeah. I keep also forgetting that Jim Carrey is in it and is going to be Dr. Robotnik. Like, oh, my God. The Grinch, alive again. Ebenezer Scrooge himself. Yep. Oh my god. <laughs> it's gonna be a like canon sequel to The Grinch, but he's just in the Sonic universe. I guess. I'll take it. Sure. I'll Why take not? It. Why not? 
Oh, I am excited for that one though. It'll be a good one. <laughs> yeah, these are all be good. I'm really glad I decided to start a, a video game movie watching podcast because all of a sudden the universe deemed it necessary to start releasing more video game movies. Yeah. And I'm like, great, great. This new Doom movie that looks atrocious, gonna watch that this year. Yeah, God smiled upon you, like for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he smiled. <laughs> yes, it was a smile. That That's the expression that happened. Oh my gosh. His face. Yeah. Wait, I don't. I think we talked about this at South, but have you seen the Resident Evil movies? I've seen the first two. Okay, I believe you're in for a treat. Oh, <laughs> I can't wait. The whole the whole slate of Paul W S Anderson movies and the Uwe Boll movies Ugh. all gonna be great. Absolute gold. Co-host of the show, Alex Damrath, is a uh, a huge Monster Hunter fan, and I am going to buy him a day one ticket to that. Paul W.S. Anderson Monster Hunter movie that's coming out next year. I didn't year. know that. Day one. Yeah, and it still has uh, Mia, Mila, the, the Mila main character. Jovovich? Yeah, yeah, she's the main character I in it. I absolutely love that couple because it's like, it's so like the most nepotism thing ever. Like all of the Resident Evil movies are just him being like, right. look at how hot my wife is. And I love it because they're so earnest about it. Like they're very yeah, it's so shameless. Yeah, they're so shameless. And like, if you ever see interviews with them, they like legitimately think those movies are really good. And it's like their passion in life to make those movies together. And it's just like, you're so happy that they found each other and they do this together. And like, you know, throw storylines to the wind. Like, let's make ridiculous movies. And apparently Capcom is like super satisfied with like how those movies turned out and oh God. how yeah. they did. And they just like butchered all the characters that are from the games and made them into totally new characters. Uh, did you see, I'm sure you did because it was all over, uh, but did you see the trailer for the Dragon Quest movie? Yes. It's, it's CG, right? God, that looks so good. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to keep an eye on that because we have a rule right now. It has to have a, a either an international release or at the very least like an English. Yeah, for sure. Localization. The so, models just look so expressive. Like it's the perfect type of like CG anime in my opinion. Looks real good. Yeah, we've been watching some anime, some <laughs> video game anime, and boy, let me tell you, there's some really good ones and there's some really bad ones. I didn't know there was a lot of video game anime. Um, there's a decent amount of like a couple dozen. We've seen like seven movies so far and there is like two OVAs already. Do the Persona movies count? The first one does because the first one was English localized. The other ones do not count. I haven't actually seen any of those, but the animation looks great in them. Yeah. I knowing nothing about Persona, Persona 3 even less so. I can't wait to watch that film. Yeah, and just be like on a wiki the entire time I'm watching it. <laughs> who is this? What is this? Yeah, who is this character? I don't know. The only person I know now is Joker, and that's only because of Smash Brothers. So yeah. thank you, Smash Brothers. Yeah, I played four, but that's the only one I played, so I don't even really know who Joker is. <laughs> Marlo, do you like Dynasty Warriors? Uh, I've actually never played a Dynasty Warriors game. Well, let me tell you, Persona Five Scrambles coming out on Switch, <gasps> and if you want to play a Dynasty Warriors Persona game, damn. I really want to play the the Hyrule one. Oh uh, uh, yeah, Hyrule Warriors. Yeah, I should borrow that one from my brother. He got oh, there's a Fire Emblem one too. I love Fire Emblem and like shamelessly. Oh, you're one of these people. Well, you're one I, of these people. You're why Advance Wars doesn't exist no, anymore. No, but I love Advance Wars more, which is the problem. Uh-huh. Like, I would love another Advance Wars game that isn't the last game that came out. That was awful. What was that Days of Ruin? Oh God. 
It was like the super serious one, right? Yeah. Just ruined it. <laughs> Days of ruined it. Got him. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Got him. All right, Marlo. I think on that note, on Days of Ruined It yep. is a good place to to wrap up. What do you think? I'm not going to tell a better joke than that. So <laughs> <laughs> We've reached it. Yeah. Our We've zenith. Uh, Marlo, thank you so much yeah. for coming on and talking about your work and then also a bunch of other nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I hope that it was like interesting enough. <laughs> oh, of course. Okay, good. Uh, where can people find you? Oh, yeah. Um, I am primarily on Twitter uh, at Marlo Doby, M-A-R-L-O-D-O-B-B-E. I'm also on Instagram with that handle as well. And my website is also just my name, marlo.doby.com. It's very outdated, but I've got a games tab on there. So you can look at some of the game stuff that I've done. Wait, it's marlo.doby? Yep. Dot com? Yeah. Wow. Look at that. I mean, I also, you can also just type in marlo.doby.com, I guess, too. I have both of those domains. <laughs> got it. But doby.com, then prefixed with Marlo. Yes. Smart. That's smart. Yep. That's smart. Awesome. And also Pig Squad stuff yeah. also happening. Yeah, uh, Pig Squad is on Twitter at Pig Squad, P-I-G Squad. Um, and then PigSquad.com has sort of all of our info. We host a lot of game jams that people can also participate in remotely. So like the Summer Slow Jams I mentioned earlier, like if you're interested in like checking out what our themes are and stuff and working on a game over a week, you can submit it and we put all of our submissions on itch. So it kind of ends up in a collection uh, on our itch page, which is pretty cool. And you can also, you know, check out all the games that people in our community make. It's uh, some pretty impressive stuff. And like you mentioned earlier, we'll have Will Lewis on, also a member mm-hmm. of uh, Pig Squad, and he'll be repping Pig Squad, I'm sure, on the on the cast oh, yeah. soon enough. Um, but you can find me at Dylan Vento. And if you like this podcast and like any of our other podcasts, uh, you can find them at ward-games.com. Um, also on Twitter, at Ward Video Games, or wherever podcasts are sold just search wordcast marlo thank you again yeah thanks so much this was fun of course love to have you on again to talk more about pokemon movies oh yeah after you've watched more maybe i can watch some more too and we can discuss <laughs> we, we can we can exchange notes yeah <laughs> but until then see ya see you later <laughs>